1604. Well, here it is week two, and we are ready to go inside EMS. And this is my excited voice. If you've never heard it, but since you're a fan of the show, I know that you've heard my excited voice. The person that's making me excited is my good friend, Kelly Grace and KG second week of the new year. And we are on a roll. Um, yeah. Inside EMS. Yeah. New year, new me. I'm, I'm, I'm not the same old Kelly. I'm, I'm cynical, jaded, uh, burned out Kelly. Oh, how is that different? That's the oh, same old Kelly. I'm it sorry. Is the same. <laughs> you got to try something new. I was I was hoping to get an update too. I was thinking today about the kilted to kick cancer. We haven't talked about that in a couple of years now. Yeah. We need to get back on that path because um, I was looking at some old Facebook posts where I uh, said that I would donate $500 for that picture of you in the beanbag chair drinking the Shiner Bach with the Cheetos and uh that's offer still going to stand once you get back there. Yeah, uh, I don't. I think we'd break the internet uh, if we did that. You know, with right. me with the strategically positioned bag of Cheetos. Uh, <laughs> I'll still do it though for for five hundred dollar donation to kill to get cancer. I'll, I'll I know you will, man. I know you will. That's awesome. So, uh, there, ain't, there ain't no breaks on my Derek car. Ain't I'm no good. shame in my game. It's awesome that you're saying that. So, Kelly, I think we got a really great show today. You know what? I think we do a really great show every week. But today, we're really going to start to talk about the workforce. I mean, you and I really put a lot of time into the providers that are in the field. And if we think about this from a leadership component of how we do our business, we really have to be able to change the paradigm from command and control or leading from a position of authority and really kind of thinking about the people who are the you know key components to our success? I've been saying for a lot of years that the true measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. Everything else is just fluff. You know, it's not the budget, it's not resource management, mm -hmm. it's not being able to book a conference room, it's how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. And one of the things that we've got to look at is when we first start bringing people into our organization, if we think about that leadership science, it's called organizational socialization. I wrote an article about this on Forbes magazine a couple of years back, and we really have to now think about how people are coming into our organization and how we are taking care of them from the very beginning. Well, today we have got a great guest for you. She is coming out of Eugene, Oregon, just moved to Eugene, Oregon. She is going to be the training coordinator for Eugene Springfield Fire Department. Maria Beerman Fote is going to help us talk about her article, which was really great. We've read it and uh, we've read it, Kelly. The first 90 days, 12 strategies for laying a foundation for a rewarding career while, while on while onboarding new employees. Maria, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. I have been winded, but now is your turn to talk, your time to talk. Thank you, Chris and show, Kelly, Bob. for having me here. I appreciate it. Well, I am very excited. We've, we've set this up now for a couple of weeks, and we've been waiting to talk to you about this because we know that this is a very, very important component. When we think about recruiting, when we think about retention, when we think about ensuring that we're keeping the high 
performers in our organization. It really has to start when they first come in the door. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is, what was the catalyst for writing this article? Why did you see such a need to get this article out? Well, it's actually really relevant right now to a lot of the work that I'm currently doing on the NAEMT Workforce Committee. Um, we are currently putting together a retention and recruitment guide that's going to be coming out here before the end of the um, couple or this quarter. And this topic is just such a massive nationwide issue. And so uh, one of the, the difficulties that managers frequently have is retaining employees that are first stepping into your organization because they you know, have that, that short period of time where they may have buyer's remorse and they may not show up to your orientation day, or they may not tell you that they've accepted another position um, until they've already started with you for a couple of weeks. And that's just a lot of time and expenditure. So it's, it's a effort um, to try to help managers and leaders and organizations to really set the stage to be able to keep these employees right from the beginning. Doc, um, one of the things I've noticed in, in my close to 30 years of EMS is how few management personnel have any specific training in management and leadership. And, and it shows in the way they engage their employees. Now, Chris has always taken leadership, uh, his perspective in, the, in, in our show is leadership from the top down and mine is leadership from the, from the bottom up. What good leadership uh, looks like to field crews. And, and it's nice to see in your article some, some actual actionable steps that a new leader can take uh, in, in onboarding new, uh, new uh, employees. What in your mind of, of the, the, the items you list in your article, what is the one thing, if there is one thing above all else that a, a new leader should, should do to, uh, to uh, make the new employee feel welcome, what step would you recommend? I would say that building that strong emotional bond right from the beginning, because that is going to set the stage and the tone for the culture of the organization. And when you, if you look at the article and you actually go through each of those pieces, they kind of all tie back to this bigger concept of building this relationship with this person. And, you know, we're all people. We tend to think of organizations at this, as this kind of weird anomaly, very abstract uh, function. And it's really made up of people all working together. And that's really what an organization is. And so I always make jokes with my coworkers that, you know, when they complain about a certain subset of the department, I'm like, well, you realize that's you too, that you're complaining about because you're part of this group. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so it's, it's this, you know, you can't have a, a them and us mentality. It's just us. And so when you are setting the stage and you're onboarding new people, you have to establish that idea of this is us right from the beginning by saying, you know, you're important to me. I value you. I appreciate you. Even though you haven't set foot in the door yet, these are the things I'm going to do to start setting this impression in this person's mind. And so uh, this, this relationship will be the catalyst of being able to build a strong foundation for this person because you know those first few days and first few weeks that a new hire is onboarded, 
they're, they're going to have some doubts. You know, was this a good decision? Was this not a good decision? Should I have taken this other job that was offered to me? You know, is this area of the country that I'm moving to worth the long drive from Kansas to Eugene, Oregon, you know, that, that kind of a thing. And so you have to establish that, yes, you're valued, you're worth it. And we are going to do what we can to build this relationship right from the beginning. And we're going to continue building this relationship throughout your career. And so the steps that I kind of talk about here really are to help managers. As you said, we don't have a lot of training because we tend to promote from within. And just because Mm -hmm. someone is a good EMS provider doesn't necessarily mean they're a good leader or a manager or a supervisor. And those are all separate. They all have little nuances and we don't do a good job of training those people. So we tend to just go with our best performers and then hope that they're doing a great job or that they will do a great job. So by giving people action items, I'm hoping that people can say, I can do this one. Even if, you know, we may have given you 12 of them, but at least one of them may be doable in that person's mind who is just starting to venture into this. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. People, people don't follow organizations. They follow individuals and, and individual leaders and managers. And, and that connection is essential. Uh, so many people lose sight of that because uh, they think that the, the compensation and benefits package should be enough, but it's actually feeling valued, personally valued, that, that makes people stick with an organization. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, uh, Kelly, as you bring that up. And, you know, I kind of talked about organizational socialization as we, you know, you know, started this discussion. And, you know, there are three steps in that organizational socialization. Number one is getting in the organization. It's also known as the anticipatory socialization stage. And what that means is that I, it may have taken me a long time to get into this premier EMS system. I see their trucks all over the place, right? I see their employees all over the place. And oh my gosh, my dream job is going to be part of this organization. And I can't wait to do it. And then when they get in, they find the disconnect between culture, uh, uh, what the leaders think the culture of the organization is and what, you know, what the workforce has let them know what the organization is. But from your article, you know, you, you really kind of bring this home with these 12 steps. But one of the things that really stuck out for me was making a strong first impression. And I want you to kind of, you know, elaborate on that a little bit is why is that important into this onboarding process? Sure, Chris, that's a really good question, because that first impression is going to set the stage of everything that that employee is going to expect from that point forward. And so if you have this you know, strong, we value you, appreciate you, impression being developed at the very beginning, then that may weigh more importantly in that person's mind during times that things aren't going well. And that that person may start having doubts about what is the direction of this organization and the people within it. And so there's this thing, you know, in psychology called bias, right? And so you have a negative bias or a positive bias. And when you put that into our world of, you know, to, to explain to listeners who maybe aren't familiar with those in a nutshell, a negative bias means that your first impression of something, if it's negative, it's going to influence everything that happens from that point forward about that person or that situation. So you're going to expect the worst. If you have a positive bias, then you're going to expect the best. And, you know, 
I, I explain this to people in the terms of their relationships with their spouse. You know, you know, your spouse, you have this really strong relationship with them. You understand them. If you have a negative bias to your spouse, if they come home late, you're going to expect the worst reasons as to why they're home late. If you have a positive bias, you're going to be more forgiving and understanding, and you're going to give them a pass that they're home late. And will that same thing applies in the workforce. If you have employees coming into your, into your organization with a positive bias at the beginning, when missteps occur, because they will, they're going to be much more likely to be forgiving and more understanding of management and the decisions that are coming down the pike. They're also going to be a little bit more open-minded about the decisions that are being made and why they're being made. And instead of sitting there and thinking automatically that, well, management just doesn't get us or, you know, the, the bigger organization that we're dealing with just doesn't care. They're going to say, wait a minute, there must be factors in here that I just don't know about. I should probably ask some questions and that opens up communication. And so that really brings home this, this ability for this person to feel like they are a part of the organization versus this outsider. And you really have to start that at the beginning. That strong first impression really sets that stage. And, you know, one of the things that, that struck me was your, your point on, on in making a point to involve the family. Uh, you know, that's, our, that's one of our biggest influencers in, in career satisfaction and external influences, you know, and, and how well we, uh, our longevity in EMS, not just with the organization, but with the, with the profession in general, is how strong is our support system outside uh, of work. And the fact that you, you point out uh, the importance of, of uh, involving the family in this process is, uh, um, you know, I, I think that's essential. Uh, what kind of things do you, when you say don't forget about the family, um, what kind of, of considerations do you make for involving family, a spouse and, and children or whatever in the onboarding process? Sure. Um, the biggest thing that I think would be helpful is to first find out whether or not the family members even understand what we do. Yeah. There's a lot of times that people will enter, especially, you know, when someone's newly onboarded, a lot of the times these people are straight out of school and they're joining your organization as a first time emergency responder. And so they don't really truly understand themselves what they're getting into. And so we can't assume that their families understand it either. And so taking the time to kind of sit down and explain to the family of, you know, these are some of the challenges that are going to come up as, you know, as a family for yourselves, you know, inter interrelated, you know, as a unit. And then also as this employee being a family member of this other organization, because we do tend to constantly think of ourselves as this second family. And, you know, when you have that time and opportunity to bring that family member or that family unit into a greater level of understanding, they also develop a more positive bias towards the organization. Because I don't know about a lot of other people, but I know my husband and I are both in EMS. We both have similar, you know, experiences working for agencies. And who do you vent to when things go wrong? You vent to your spouse you know, or your significant other. And so if they have a positive bias as well to your organization, they're going to be a lot more likely to be that positive sounding board. So when you're the, a new hire comes to that person and says, Hey, you know, I'm really upset about what happened today at work, that spouse, instead of saying, you know what, 
I really don't like living here anyway, so you should just quit. Instead of doing that, they're going to say, well, you know, when we sat there and talked with those people at whatever unit gathering that we had, you know, I didn't get that impression that they really didn't care. You know, I got, you know, they're going to be much more on the side of let's think about this a little bit further versus having that gut reaction. Uh Yeah, I think that that's very, very interesting. And, you know, it it makes you think about the fact of those are the missing components. When we think about work-life balance, you know, their home is a big, important component of that. And we don't even, you know, we don't consider that a lot when it comes to our workforce. And, you know, as you outline that, I think that that's, that's probably one of those under the rock things that we don't even think about, right? So cheers to you for that. But I want to take my question a little bit towards culture, right? So when we think about culture, it's one of the most important things in an organization. Vision is where you're going you know, the strategic goals of how you're going to get there and how you're going to reach the vision. The culture is all about the behavior of the organization in reaching the vision and walking to that line. And as I mentioned, there's often a disconnect between what the leadership of the organization thinks the culture is and what the workforce is, who's creating the culture really knows what it is. So one of the things that you write in here that I think really goes to the core of culture is helping the new hires get to know their colleagues. Actually, you're going hand in hand as a leadership member with the members of the organization and say, hey, let me introduce you to Kelly. Why is that important? Having those additional relationships that someone may not develop just organically on their own helps them understand the bigger whole. And so it's, it's a back and forth street on here, you know, two-way street where the new hire now understands you know, there's other people's are resources in this organization, or that these are people that have a different perspective of what I'm trying to do. And I might be able to understand more from them. The organization then also becomes much more adept to accepting this outsider in. Because a lot of times in our organizations, when we don't know someone, stories start to develop, you know, people start to make assumptions. And, you know, today's day and age of social media and being able to get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever other app, you know, comes out, people tend to kind of know a lot about a new hire before they've even stepped in the door. And they may have already started to develop some kind of an impression about this person. And so when people don't know information firsthand, they start to fill in the gaps with whatever information they can get. And the rumor mill. <laughs> exactly. And the rumor mill, I, I, I do not like the rumor mill, even though they, we obviously know they exist. Um, but it's not a matter of how do you get rid of the rumor mill? It's how do you manage the rumor mill? And this is one way to manage the rumor mill. And so you eliminate those things that will create bad impressions, that bad bias, that negative bias. And so introducing people to each other gives them the avenue to get information firsthand instead of through whatever other avenue has got to them. And so I'll give you a quick example of how this affected me and my performance, or not my my personal performance, but in my experience at, at my prior organization. So we had an employee that we were bringing on board who had been a long-term supervisor from another agency in the region. And they came to join us and the rumor mill was very strong on that. And I had, at the time, I was division chief of quality management. So I was an eight to five, Monday through Friday kind of person. And a uh, employee who had been at the organization longer than me 
came and said, hey, I heard we're hiring paramedic X. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I heard too. And this person says, you know, I think it's a really bad idea. Well, why? Why do you think it's a bad idea? I don't even know this person. I've heard their name. I know where they came from, but I don't know anything else about them. Well, because I heard, and as soon as that person said, I heard, I knew everything else that they were going to tell me was not firsthand information. Therefore, you don't really know. You don't know the details. You don't know the circumstances. You don't know the setting. You don't know anything about it other than this very 3,000 foot view of whatever the situation may be. And so I asked this employee to take a step back. I said, I understand you've got this impression developing. I go, but here's what I think. I go, sometimes the person is actually acting in a particular way because of the circumstances that are presented to them at the time that they are wherever they are. And so maybe they were like in a bad situation or maybe they you know, just weren't happy for other reasons. We don't really know. But what I do know is we hired this person. And because of our vetting process, I know that we hire good people since we hired you and they hired me. So obviously we do a pretty good job of onboarding people that we believe are going to be a good fit. So how about instead of prejudging, let's go start with a clean slate. Let's give this person a clean slate. We don't care about what happened in the past because it is not relevant to today. And that person did. And flash forward, that person ended up staying with us for a very long time until they ended up getting a outside of EMS opportunity. And so that's the only reason they left us. But that's the, that's the type of management that I would like to see happen more often. And so when we're talking about action items that someone can implement very easily, it is truly taking the, the time and the courage to stop someone from going down that rabbit hole and identifying it early as it's beginning and saying, well, hold on a minute. We don't do that here. We're different and we're special because we give everyone a chance. Doc, item number eight, finding the right FTO uh, for each new hire. You know, the, in, in the military, the, the keepers of the flame, the stewards of the tradition are, are the NCOs. And in, the, in EMS, it, it seems to be the, the uh, uh, analog is, is our FTOs. Um, you, you mentioned how important it is to find the right FTO for each new hire. What kind of personality traits do you look for in an FTO and, and, and pairing them with, with your new hires rather than, you know, the, the, the standard, which is uh, if you've managed to hang around long enough without getting fired, you turn in billable tickets and your, your boots are shined. They'll make you an FTO, even though you, you don't have <laughs> any particular affinity for other people. Sure. So this is an interesting question. Um, and I find it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in reality mm -hmm. when you're trying to do this whole, we're going to hand select a person to do this training for this other person because it can get very political and play a lot of favoritism in that process if you're not careful about how you do it. So the first thing that I would caution people on is, you know, hand selecting too finely because you may actually be eliminating an opportunity for growth for either the FTO or the new hire because of a particular thing. And I'll give you my example. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a perfectionist in some respects. And, you know, I had a, a reputation of being very attention to detail and being a rule follower. 
And, you know, as the rumor mill goes, sometimes people think, well, that means that there is no leeway. And, you know, if it's three o'clock in the morning and it, you're supposed to wax the ambulance, well, guess what Maria's going to make you do? She's going to make you wax the ambulance. Well, that's not true, <laughs> you know, but yeah. as, as like I said, rumors, uh, you know, go out there. Well, then that gets passed on from person to person to person. And then before you know it, Maria is the person who makes people wash ambulances and wax ambulances at three in the morning. And I can promise you, I've never done that. So you have to be careful. So what I would say is first focus on skill need or an environmental need. And so some of the, the uh, considerations would be um, similar to the examples that I give is you have, an, you have a new hire who came from a EMT paramedic system set up. So they're going to be thinking much differently about how do I run this call because they're going to factor in, I'm the only paramedic, I'm going to have to make the only decisions. Um, you know, I've only got this EMT partner, they're going to be reliant on driving. And maybe you're there at a, you know, a player area where there's a lot of volunteers, and they you don't have full time staff to pull from. So they're not going to wait for the volunteer staff to get there, they're just going to load and go right, where if you have a different situation of a person who is used to a, uh, you know, paramedic paramedic setup, mm -hmm. they may struggle in that first scenario because they're used to having that paramedic partner to be able to depend on and now they don't. And they're may used to having shorter transport times and now they're in this separate area where longer transport times and we can't depend on these other agencies to help us. So it's an entirely different mindset. So if you already know that there's going to be some kind of a mental challenge of how to adapt to your processes and your system design, because this person came from this other system, chances are you have an FTO that came from a similar type of system and can help them overcome those same mental obstacles. You know, and that's what happened with me when I early on in my career, when I went to Kansas, I came from a similar EMT paramedic system, and we were private and the, you know, the, the structure was different. The rules were different. The protocols were different. And here I come to this much different environment in Kansas where it's dual paramedics and boy, they really want you to do a bunch of stuff that I didn't need to do at my prior service. And so it was just a huge culture sh shock to me. And so you're going to have people who have those struggles. So focus on skills you know, what do they need? Do they need someone who can, you know, walk them through step by step by step to, to get their skills up to speed or to understand an environment, um, you know, like the structure. But when you're talking about personality, this is where that double-edged sword comes in. Because if you have a very quiet, introverted FTO and you have a very extroverted, outgoing new hire, that might not be a bad deal, but it could play negatively in the opposing scenario where you have a very quiet new hire and a very outgoing and outspoken FTO because the person who's trying to make a good impression and who's trying to make sense of things may not speak up for themselves. They may be too quiet and too fearful to say anything because they've already got all this information overload from this other person and, you know, there's a whole lot of, of catch 22s in that type of scenario. So that's where you may want to kind of start going, well, how do we want to maybe suit personality types? You know, do we have an intellectual person 
maybe is better paired with another intellectual person. I'm with somebody who I ask a lot of questions. And as you can tell, I do a lot of talking. And if I'm paired with someone who number one, doesn't like to answer questions and number two, doesn't like to talk, it absolutely drains my energy, even though I usually can generate my own energy because now I'm actually feeling like I have to work at building up some kind of a communication pattern with this person. So those are the types of, of personality type things that I think you should pay attention to, but I don't think we need to get too restrictive and there should be some kind of an interview process with your FTOs to ask, ask them, who do you, who, what kind of a new hire do you think you would be best suited for, you know, and take those generalizations and then go back to your new hires and ask them, what kind of an FTO do you think you might work best with and then start matching up your, your people? Obviously. Yeah. There's, there's no one size fits all solution for everything. And what you're telling me is there's no one size fits all FTO. Uh, got to customize and, and mix and match as, as best you can. Yeah, just like there are no one-size-fits-all solutions, there are no one-size-fits-all FTOs. Uh, and, and pairing the right FTO with the right trainee is essential. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Ciballero, and our special guest this week, Dr. Maria Beerman-Folk, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS, and we're going to catch you guys next week.